How are you guys? Welcome to CLD Talks. I'm your host, Connor Maxwell. Today, I'm speaking to Josh Clark, who is the co-founder of the Turf Youth Project, which is based within Greater Pollock and Cardonald Wards. Josh talks us about the starting of the project, why they decided to do it, plans for the future, and loads more. So without further ado, here is Josh Clark. So Josh, it'd be amazing if you could just tell us a wee bit about yourself and your current role in CLD. Hi, Connor. Um, thanks very much for having me along. Um, it's a privilege to, to talk to you today um, and actually have a chance to talk about Tough Youth Project. Um, it's been something that we've been developing for a while now, so it's good to, to talk about it and, and get it out there a wee bit more. Um, Perth, we, we, I developed Perth um, in 2016 with um, a friend that I met at uni. Um, and we've been developing it since then, and it's kind of grown and spiralled, but... Prior to developing that, I got a lot of experience through different youth work um, opportunities that I had. I think for me, I, I started as a young person um, in CLD um, with East Renfrewshire Council. Um, and I was a young person that was involved in loads of their projects. You know, um, I was involved in a, a local youth club that I'd set up um, in a, where I came from in a village called Eaglesome, which is just outside of Bride. And there was a lack of a lack of provision for young people there. Um, so I, I worked with a, a team of young people um, and we set up this, this youth project. And it's really interesting because when I look back and I reflect on that now, at the time, I had no idea what a youth club was. And I remember I remember walking to the park as this 11-year-old guy um, thinking that it was pure cool. And I had met a group of my friends and I was like, what, what are you doing? And they said, oh, we're going to um, talk to the councillor because we want a youth club. Do you want to come with us? And I said, I all right then. Um, but I had no idea what a youth club was. I thought it was something that maybe somebody did in their garden. Like, we just all turned up to our garden, played in the trampoline for a bit, and then went home. Um, so it was dead. But back then, I was like, I don't have a clue what this is. But as soon as it started and it developed, that first youth project, I was like, well, this is for me. Like, this is where I want to be. Um, and it spiraled from there. Do you know, I met lots of youth workers. Um, I got involved in other Project. So I was involved in a project called um, East Renfrewshire Youth Action, um, and we did lots of work around stereotypes and prejudice among young people. Um, I was then involved in a program called The Big Shouter, which um, where I did um, lots of local, regional, and national conferences. Um, one of the conferences I did actually was with um, Harry Burns. Um, we did a conference with with him, um, and we were looking at health issues that affect young people. Um, and I also did a bit of volunteering with them as well. So I did a wee trip to Ireland, did a bit of volunteering over there with East Rain. We did a bit of a, an exchange project to see what the differences were in youth work there compared to here. Um, and when I came back from there, I, I continued to, to volunteer. So I volunteered at the first youth club that I set up in Eaglesham, um, but became involved in other youth projects as well. So I became involved in a, a youth group called the Monday Night Group, which was for additional support needs. Um, and I became involved in summer programs, uh, summer schemes um, in East Rain as well. And that's, I kind of at that point was like, I really like this. This is the career for me. This is where I want to go. And I remember talking to, I remember talking to my youth worker and asking him, how do I get to do this job? How do I get to be a community worker? And he said to me, well, for me to get this job, I had to go to university and I had to do a degree in community education. And I remember saying to him, sack that. That's just no for me, I'm not doing that. Um, and at that point, I was like, well, I don't really think this is going to work. But 
hated high school, hated formal education, but continued to do the youth work stuff, continued to be involved in community development. I thought, I think I need to go for this um, and learned that there was a, a HNC and an NC in working with communities. So I went and done that. Um, I went where did and done you do that. that? Um, so I started off doing it at Annie's Land College. That's where I did the NC. That's where I done um, Yeah, so I did it there with uh, Lynn Taylor, who was phenomenal. She was a great lecturer. Uh, um, Lynn was mine as well. Yeah, she was, she's fab. Um, and she gave lots of really good experiences that she had in her career and um, lots of practical things which were really good for me because I could totally relate it to my own practice. I was only 16 at the time. I had literally just left school. I left school at the end of fourth year and went straight into my NC. Um, and for me, it was just too soon. It was too soon, so I never completed the course. It also, because I lived in Eaglesome, it was, it was like, it's this wee village that's got like one bus every hour. Um, sometimes too if you're lucky the second one goes in the opposite direction so um, it was a bit of a nightmare getting to and it was a bit stressful at times so I dropped out of the NC Working Community course but then when I dropped out South Lancashire College developed it they took it on board as well so I went and finished my NC at South Lancashire College um, with a woman called Caroline Gillespie and Fiona Ray and Lorna um, who were great lecturers as well um, I met a lot of really really good friends some of them that I still talk to today um, and I, I progressed and did my HNC there as well. Um, right. And I didn't even think I would I would go to uni. You know, I, I didn't think that university would be for me in terms of with my academic ability. I didn't feel I was academic at all. <laughs> um, but I think there was a buzz because everybody else in the class was doing it. So I thought, I'm just going to go for this and I get in. Um, but during my time at college, I was also involved in the third sector. So... Um, I was involved in a, a youth project down in Johnston. So it was um, it was part time, and I got employed as a youth worker at the age of eighteen. Um, and it was really good because it opened my eyes to a different world of youth work, because I was so involved in strain and their their model of youth work and what they deliver. And it was the same youth workers. So going to Johnston allowed me to see other people's practice. It allowed me to develop more as a practitioner, build relationships with young people get to know a different community, a different area that I had no idea, which was really, really interesting. And I think that's when I knew, you know, what I want to go and progress with this because this has given me a whole new opportunity um, to see different things. Um, so I went and I got, I got into uni, I got into UWS um, and studied the community education. Although when I started, I think it was called community learning and participation at the time. Um, and it changed yeah. to community education. Um, so I, I then I went and done that, and during that time, I was involved, I, I, I got a full-time employment with um, an organisation called the Mackin Trust, which is based in Lark Hall. So I was full-time children's worker, so that kind of changed my role a wee bit as well, because the funding that they had got was to work with children in primary one to four mm-hmm. as an early intervention project, and that's what I get employed to do full-time. So it was really, really different going from working with Teenagers who ultimately, at the time, I was 18, 19, 20, you know, so ultimately those, those teenagers that I was working with in Johnson were a couple of years younger than me. You know, so it almost felt like I was a youth worker, but a peer educator at the same time. Yeah. Um, but then when I went to the Mac and Trust, it was primary one to fours, and that was a totally different ballgame because you're working with, with little people um, who have got great imaginations and are talking to you about dinosaurs and all that. So, um, But that was really good. It was a really active role as well. So... Um, I did a lot in the in the community, um, Strother Hill in particular, so Craig Bank Primary and Robert Smiley Primary, 
and work with the kids there and develop sort of we many many youth clubs, um, many get active groups. So we came in every weekend. We did parachute games, sport games, but things that were transferable. You know, things that we used in youth work. I used with the, the kids as well, and I think the hope was that those those children would work their way through the organisation. So they would work with the children's workers. They would then move on, and they would work with the youth workers, and they would we would have a, a relationship with them. Um, and while I was at the Mac and Trust, that's when I um, I, I graduated. I, I graduated from from uni, and also started the development of Turf Youth Project, which I can go on and talk about a wee bit more. Um, because Turf's always been in the background. You know, it's always been there. It's always been something that I've done on as, as on a sideline as well as my job. Um, I've always worked and, and done Turf at the same time. So. Um, when I graduated, I then went to North Ayrshire Council, did a stint there um, as a family learning worker. So again, it was working with primary kids, but um, I was working with parents and carers as well, which was dead interesting because it was something I'd never really ventured into. Because I'd done a big bit of adult learning as a placement and I didn't really like it because it felt very schooly. I felt yeah. like I was sitting worksheet with adults and I was like, this is why I left school, so I didn't like this. Um, but the family learning was really interesting. Um, and then I went to Inverclyde Council for a wee bit and done a wee bit of um, youth work there. Um, and I went to Renfrew Council um, and I was there for about 18 months doing youth work. And all of those posts um, with the three local authorities and graduating were Scottish Attainment Challenge posts. So a lot of my time after graduating was spent under the, the Attainment Challenge and um, raising attainment and um, looking at equality and equity and um, how we could um, bridge the attainment gap between those in the most deprived and the least deprived um, communities. So that was dead interesting. And the dogs barking in the background there, some dogs. That's right. So yeah, I did, you've been, you've worked in so many places. I didn't realise how much you've actually where you've been in yeah. all the different places, man. That's. I I've done loads. Um, I've done loads of stuff um, in CLD, and it's been something that's really, it's been something that's really driven my whole life. Actually, you know, mm. since I was. Actually, when I was reflecting like before, I had, when you had asked me to do the podcast, Connor, um, I was kind of reflecting, and I've actually been involved in youth work since I was at, like, since I was seven or eight, because I was involved with, with clubs and scouts as well. And I hadn't really taken that into consideration, but youth work and community work is something that's been part of my life forever, yeah. you know? And I think for me, getting all those experiences at different local authorities and seeing the way that people... Um, the way that people practice, the different um, the different facilities that people have, because some local authorities have got youth centres, some local authorities don't. Um, and it was really, really interesting just to see how it all worked and the, the way that people um, that take on that role. And even the evaluating, the way people evaluate, the way people record things, um, the way that the money comes in. You know, it's just dead interesting uh, working with local authority. Totally. Um, and then, yeah, so... After Renfrewshire, I had went back to North Ayrshire. I was a community development worker there um, for six months until I got a permanent post with South Lanarkshire Council, which is where I am right now. Um, and I currently work for the Youth Family Community Learning Service on the Pathfinder project. So I'm currently based um, within Stonewall High School um, as a Pathfinder. Um, and it's been um, in a pilot phase for two years. Yep. Um, and that pilot um, was to see how effective it was. Um, and to see if it was worthwhile. So um, we're coming to the end of that phase, and it's been such a real, it's been such a journey for us um, as a team of pathfinders. But even for me in particular, because a lot of my practice has been very much group work and working with groups of young people and working in teams. And this has been very different. As much as there is group work there, um, there's also been an element of 
we work with young people on a one-to-one -one basis, which is different for me. Um, you know, it's, it's really, really different. Um, we also go out and we do home visits to families, so we're building a link with parents and carers as well. We get to see the family home, and we build a whole holistic picture of one family, and we get to know different aspects of the different things that are growing in their life, whether it's struggles or the positives that are growing in their life. Um, and as community workers, we're able to support with one-to-one, -one, support with accessing funding for families, um, or even just having that somebody to talk to at the end of a phone. Do you know that somebody that they can they can pick up the phone and go, I'm really struggling with this, can you help? Or because I think sometimes a lot of parents don't really like talking to schools, they don't really like talking to um head teachers and debut heads. I think it gives them a bit of a fear and mm -hmm. I learned that whilst part of the Scottish Attainment Challenge, a lot of parents don't like coming into the building. And that might be because of a fear when they had at school they didn't like school either you know so there's loads of different reasons why people might not come into school but having that somebody that's at the end of phone with a mobile phone that you don't need to go through the school office you can just contact them directly send them a text message it's been a real eye-opener for me um and it's something that um I, I, I love it you know i love my job um i think having a really really varied role you know through the third sector and local authority Something that I learned really, really quickly was that actually you can be a community worker, you can leave and qualify and go and get a job, but you might have a different title, but your roles, you're, you're still a community worker, you still use that, you know? And I think it's really interesting because as social workers, you know, when you do your degree in social work and go get a job, you become a social worker. Or if you're a teacher, you become a teacher. But as community workers, we can become family learning workers, community learning development workers, community development officers, youth support workers, attainment workers. So I think it's really important, you know, that CLDs recognise and all that. You know, it's a massive thing. But for me, I've always tried to keep CLD at the heart of what I do, regardless of the job title and regardless of the role that I've got. It's always been community learning development methodologies and approaches that underpin the work that I do. I, I, so it's been, it's been really exciting. It's been a really exciting journey that I think I've had um, in terms of reflecting for this podcast and going back. Um, but during all that in 2016, um, somebody who I met at uni, um, a woman called Stacey Quinn, and I got together and we started to plan her youth project. Um, and it started off as a Monday night youth club for young people in primary four to primary seven. So again, it was slightly younger than yeah. the year plus, but um, we'd started the planning and the development of that, um, which was really exciting because we were starting it from the very beginning. You know, we had to start it and get the constitution set up, get a bank account set up. Um, we had to apply for funding, which was an interesting journey, if you like, actually, because when we look back, you know, we went in all guns blazing. We thought, right, let's go to children need. We'll just apply for all this money and it'll be great. It'll be all singing, it'll be all dancing. Um, and we never got it. We never got the money and we thought, right, we really, really need to think about this and we need to take it small steps at a time. Yeah. Um, and and that's what we've done. So we went to Lottery first. We got a, an award for all grant, which allowed us to start a, the Monday Night Club for the primary school kids and also then develop halfway through that with to develop a Wednesday Night Club, which was for, for plus young people as well. Um, and since then, it's just kind of spiralled. But we knew that was going to happen. We knew we didn't, we didn't want it to be one of those organisations that just did a, a Thursday Night Youth Club. We didn't want that. We wanted it to grow. Yeah. Um, and that's what it's done and it is we learned very very early on that we had to take small steps rather than big leaps and mm -hmm. not walk before we can run um, 
I think that's really important, isn't it? Like, especially if you're the time you started it straight out of uni, thinking, you know, let's let's go for the hundred grand, let's go for the, you know, because you want it to be the best, and you've got the vision and you feel the capability, but to have that sort of realization of the baby steps, we need to take it a step at a time and grow, and it's really important so that also you do it right as well, because you don't, I suppose, want to just come in and then disappear as well. You want it to be sustainable. And that was really important for us as well. That's a really good point because we didn't want to be one of those parachute services that people, and people in the community said that, are you just going to be one of these services that come in the last three years and disappear and we've not got anything again? And we really wanted to make sure that didn't happen, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and when we went back and made our first child need application, we were like, no wonder we never get any money. <laughs> it, was it was a terrible application. Um, see, looking back, I wouldn't have funded it. I would definitely, yeah. if I was on the other side of that, I'd have went, I'm not giving them any money. Um, and I think we did, I think when you said you're applying for 100 grand, I think that's what we applied for. Um, and we never got it. Um, but a year later, we went back to Kilgrenade because we had been practicing in the area. We knew the young people, we knew the community, we had built relationships. We had that knowledge behind us that we didn't have the first time. Mm-hmm. And we got it. We got the money from Kilgrenade, which is really how turf has spiraled and it's really grown. Brilliant. What community uh, is Turfin? So Turf's based in the south side of Glasgow. So originally um, it was it was based in Greater Pollock. Um, but we always sat on the border between Ward 3, which is Greater Pollock, and Ward 4, which is Cardonald. We always sat in, in, the, mm. in the border, in the middle between both of them. Um, so we actually now cover both. We cover Greater Pollock and Cardonald. Um, so we get young people coming from both. Um, and it's, it's it's an area that it's quite um, it's quite close to me because I've got quite a lot of family down there as well. Um, that's where my mum and all her, my mum's side of the, my family were were born. So it's an area that I know quite well. Um, it's an area that has multiple pockets of deprivation, and it was something that we identified that was a gap. It was something that was needed. You know, just the universal youth work service. And there's other there's other great organisations down there as well. You know, there's Swamp that's down there that do lots of media work. Um, there's lots of football groups, there's lots of sports groups, you've got Paul United down there. But we wanted to be a group for young people, any young person that could come in. Um, and we were really grateful that we we were in talks with one of the local uh, priests down there. And he identified what, what we were doing was something that he totally seen was a massive gap. So for our first three, three years, we were able to access the, the, the community hall at the side of the chapel oh, yeah. um, for nothing, which was great. So we didn't have to pay anything, which was really, really good. So it really allowed us to grow um, and focus on focus on the young people, um, which was a really, really good opportunity. Totally, man. Totally. So why did you start it? You know, it's a really good question. I don't, I don't really know why we started it. I think it's something I've always really wanted to do. You know, I've always really... I think throughout my career, I've worked in the third sector and I've worked in local authority, and I really, really like the third sector. Um, and I think for me, I identified a gap and we thought, you know what, we could definitely do that. We could definitely go down the road of trying to, to, to bridge that gap. Um, and I think as community workers, that's what we do. You know, it's about identifying needs and it's about, um, it's about working together, go, right, what can we do to, to, to deal with that? Um, and I think youth work is a passion of mine. It's something that I, I really enjoy doing. It's something that has been part of my life. And I think for me, I really wanted to give 
other young people the opportunity to be involved in youth work programmes as well. And I think that's why I was like, you know, we need to give this a go. And Stacey was exactly the same. You know, she totally seen the vision, she seen the drive and we went for it. Um, and, and it just, it began. And the first process was sort of deciding on a name. And lots of people ask us about the name. A lot of people ask us what TURF stands for and it doesn't stand for anything actually. Um, it was just, it was basically the project was about giving young people their own TURF in their community. So it was a grassroots project, so it's not an acronym for anything, which we get quite a lot. Quite a lot of funders will phone us and say, what does TURF actually stand for? But it doesn't stand for anything. It just means giving young people their own space, their own TURF. Um, it's a great name. It's a, it's a proper, proper good name, man. Yeah, it, it's it's really good, and we really like it. And what's really, really good now is young people know who we are. Do you know, mm. they know when they see TURF, they know what it is. Do you know, and, and it's one of those exciting things, you know, because... It's something that we've grown. You know, we've grown it from the very, very beginning, and um, we've got a we've got a board of directors as well that are really, really supportive. We've got a really strong board of directors actually who come from various different sectors, um, and myself and Stacey lead the pro- the project. Um, but see, when you grow something from the very bottom and you build up, and people start using your name, it's just such a good feeling because it's almost like you've created an identity. You've created something that people are aware of, and they know exactly when they see turf they know what that does. They know what the function of that organisation is. Um, so for me, that's really exciting. No, definitely. And I think that's so important for the community to identify as soon as then they hear the name, then if they know that's what it is, you know you're doing something right as well. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Absolutely. Oh. Absolutely. And young people, young people keep coming back as well, which is really good. And young people have been have been brilliant um, in, in terms of supporting us and being heavily involved in the direction of the programme. It is a typical youth work programme. Everything that we do is led from young people. So mm-hmm. young people, our consultation with young people is continuous. We continuously consult with them. We're constantly asking them, what do you want to do? Every week is shaped by young people. Um, I think we went through a phase where every week young people wanted to make slime. So we done it. We made slime all the time. Um, I was slimed out my nut, to be fair. Um, <laughs> And it was a disaster. It, it was a disaster at some points because there was times where you're having to scrape it off the floor and all that, and you're like, "Oh, we're going to be here for hours." Um, but you know, young people had a good time and they made memories, and that's what it was about. It was about making those memories for young people. Yeah, definitely, man. And you know, slimed it, my nut is something that's. I think every youth worker sitting there now listening to this is going to be like, right, been there. Yeah, been there. Been there. Been there. Link, link it into some STEM. Project and it's great. Text loads of boxes. <laughs> Aye. The kids were doing it a couple of months ago, just when we'd opened back up, and they showed us how like they made it into like a bubble. So they had this big massive piece, wow. and then it was like you you aired it or something like that, and you threw it in the ground, and then it made this big orb bubble thing. And honestly, it was weird. I've I've got a picture of it. I'll send you. It. Um, but it was this. I was pure like, how can this do that? It just looks like mess. <laughs> but it's get pure like, and just because you just said stem, it, was, it is a pure stem thing. I was like, yeah. how is this doing this? It was insane. It totally is. I've never seen that before, but I feel like I'd like to see that. But you'll need to send me the photo because if I can learn to do that, then I think. Young people might think I'm pure cool. That I know how to do it. Aye, it was something. Not, it's something to do with two people. Need to, you need to stretch it and hold the edges, and then it's about the timing. So you like create a vacuum essentially. So you need to then go one, two, three, throw it to the ground, and as it then comes oh, down, oh. it like creates this like vacuum, a suction ball thing. I don't know, but it's incredible. So 
I think if anybody's listening to this as well, and if he's of got slime pictures, tag us on Twitter at CLD Talks because I think that's what we need to see. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Who knew that's where the conversation was going to go? Who knew that's where that was going to go? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So, um, so then, what are the aims of the organisation? Um, so the aims of the organisation really. Um, it's, it, it's built on community and development principles and methodologies, and that's what we really wanted to build it on um, from the very, very, from the get go. So it was all about um, it's all about inclusion. It's about including every young person. So having something there um, for every young person to take part in. Um, it's about having sort of informal learning opportunities for young people. Um, but it's almost that informal learning that you do that you don't even realise that you're learning. You know, we've done loads of baking, we've done loads of cooking. Done those arts and crafts stuff. We've done some outdoor stuff, and young people have a great time, you know. But they don't realise that they're learning. It's that unconscious learning that they do, um, and that's really what we wanted to build on as well. Um, so for us, that's the biggest thing. It's about inclusion and it's about making memories and having fun, but also informal learning. That's the aim of the organisation, um, and the aim is to, to try and reach as many young people um, as possible um, within both the local communities. Um, although that's slightly changing now. Um, because we now are developing another part to the service. So instead of it being Turf Youth Project, it's now Turf Community Project as well, because we're now trying to branch out to be doing things with adults and families and other community groups as well. But again, the aims of the organisation stay the same. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about formal learning. It's about having a space that the community um, make memories and having fun. Um, and, and that, that goes across the whole the whole service. Oh, brilliant, man. You know, it's, it just sounds like such a good thing that you've set up. It does. and But I think making... Is that the is that your sort of tagline, the making memories and having fun? Or is it... Um, I think the ta- you know, I don't really know if we've got a tagline. I think we spoke about having a tagline a way back at the beginning. I don't really think it, um, it, ever, it ever came to fruition. Uh, but we have a tagline under our logo, um, which matches what the turf... The first name because our tagline was um, "Youth Services Rooted in Communities." Um, so that has been our tagline um, since we developed, and that's now changed to "Services Rooted in Communities" because that really is what we want to do. We want to develop services, deliver services that are embedded in the community by the community. Yep. You know, and it's led it's led from the bottom up. Um, and that's exactly what we're doing. You know, we're working with community other community groups now. We're working with local elected members. Um, we're working with individuals in the community, and people are contacting us now to to see how we can support them and see what they can do for us. So it's working both ways, which is really good because we're building really, really good partnership. Yeah, no, definitely, man, definitely, man. So then I know, like, when we come on the podcast and that, we like to talk about a lot about the good things, but obviously there must have been some challenges. You've set up an organisation from the ground up, so are you able to just share some of the challenges that you've faced and how maybe you've even overcame them? Definitely. Um, so I think one of the biggest challenges that we face, and I think any third sector organisation would probably tell you the same thing, um, is funding. Mm-hmm. Funding is a massive challenge in a third sector organisation because you're constantly chasing it, you know, and as soon as you apply for one funder, if you're successful, it doesn't stop there, you know, you have to then forward plan and think about, right, what's next, what are we going for next, so that we can continue this and so that um, the project doesn't just stop. Um, and obviously, you know, 
that we spoke about the first funding application that we ever done, you know, and it was a total disaster. Um, but we kept going. And I think that's been the mantra every time we do a funding application. And we've been really lucky that we've got, we have pulled in quite a good amount of funding that's helped us tick along and helped us grow. Um, but there's times that we've not been successful for funding and it can be quite deflating as well. Do you know, it's, it's one of those things that you feel like, is it not good enough? Or is the organisation not doing its job? Is it not doing the function that we set out to do? Um, so it can be really, really uh, disheartening. But you keep going. You keep going because the passion's there, the drive's there, the community are totally behind you. Um, and it makes it all worthwhile. Um, and sometimes you need that as a reminder. But um, funding's definitely um, a massive challenge. I think the other challenge for us in terms of turf um, has been premises um, of our own. We've been in the, 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 the chapel community hall um, since the very beginning, and it's been a great asset for us. Do you know, it's been great having a space that we can deliver. It's been a great place that young people know where we will be on a Monday and a Wednesday night. Um, and it, it's been, it was really good that the, the, the local police allowed us to use that for free, but we knew that that wasn't going to last forever because that hall was used by other groups, do you know? So for us, it was we were quite stuck and what we could deliver there because we could only uh, deliver on a Monday and a Wednesday, so we mm. couldn't actually deliver anything else. Um, so for us, getting a premises was a massive challenge, massive, purely because in the area down there, there is none. There's no spare premises. There's a lack of spare ground as well. So it's very, it was very, very difficult. Um, but I know that... Um, I, I know that... It's taken a long time, but we've got there now. We now have we've secured our own premises, but it's been it's been about two years that we've been working on that to get our own wow. centre. Um, so it's been a long, long process. And that's fact, we started out and we got offered the premises, um, and we were dead excited. We were buzzing about it, but actually, it wasn't the right premises for us. It needed so much work done to it, um, so we had to pull out of it. So, and that's why I think it took two years because we got offered one, we couldn't take it, and then we eventually found another premises, which was really, really good. But um, the community really actually have been behind us getting that premises. If it wasn't for them um, and the local like, members, we probably wouldn't be in the situation that we're in today. Mm -hmm. uh, because I think over COVID, COVID has had a massive impact on the area. It had a massive impact on our organisation. Um, but it's really the end result of that has been, we've now got our own premises that we can develop further. Yeah. Was that an asset transfer you said to do to get the premises? Not yet, not yet. So it's not an asset transfer yet. We're on a reduced rate um, cool. for this property, so it's a short front. Um, I think the hope is that we might go down that route. Um, we're not really entirely sure yet. Um, and it's all these other things that you have to explore. As a community worker, I never thought that I would be doing this. I never mm. thought this would be part of my role because youth work was always, for me, it was always hand-on, work with young people, plan activities, cons consult with them, evaluating and then you do it again. This is a whole different world, you know, applying for funding, working with um, working with landlords to get leases, um, working with the water board to get free water, uh, working with gas and electric companies. So it's a whole new world, you know, like it's a whole new skill set that you need. Um, but actually, it's something that you learn. It's something that you just get stuck in. I think any community, community worker would, you know, because it's these people skills that you build. And sometimes that phrase of, it's not what you know, it's who you know goes a long way, you know. 
Um, and that's that's even within community members, because community members have been able to say to us, have you tried such and such? Have you spoke to them? Because they might be able to help you out with that. And it's been great. It's been a great learning curve for me in particular. Um, it's been a challenge, but um, it's been it's been really good. Uh, and even the new premises, even getting that to a state where we can open the door um, has been a challenge. We, we actually walked in and we were dead excited about it. And then we realised that there was no plug sockets in the building at all. So that was something that we had to factor in as well. We had yeah. to factor in, well, if we want tellies and we want computers and stuff, we're going to need plug sockets. So even little minute things that you would never think of. Like we were buzzing about getting this centre, we were buzzing about the future of turf. And it wasn't until we went back in the second time, I was like, Where, where's all the plugs? Where's all the sockets? <laughs> There's none. So, aye, so it's been it's been a massive journey. Yeah, totally. And you need you need your plugs. That's <laughs> definitely. You just take the things for granted, didn't you? In twenty first century, not a plug in the shop, and I have no idea how because it used to be a bookies. So I, I have no it. idea where the tellies were plugged in. I have no idea where all their their puggies were plugged in. Um, maybe they ran on batteries. I have no idea, but there was not there was one plug, one plug socket that was it, and I was like, that's going to be a massive extension cable. We're going to need, we're going to, need to deal with that. <laughs> 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 oh, health and safety daft on that one. It's daisy chaining, daisy chaining. Absolutely. <laughs> um, no, that's amazing, man. That's amazing that you've got a premises and um, are you now ready to open? Um, we are nearly there. We're nearly at the space that we can open. Um, we? We've got a bit of funding there that we're still to use to um, put a kitchen in um, because our young people really like cooking when we do cooking and baking stuff it, it's an activity that young people always want to do and also there's food at the end of it so who doesn't love that you know um so we've got the kitchen that we've started put in um, we've just had our flooring put down so we put down an artificial grass carpet because we thought it was very fitting to go with the name turf um, we've started to put um we've, we've started to put furniture in so the furniture and um the kitchen's all been done, and that was done through participatory budgeting. So young people were involved in that. Young people were involved in, this is what we want. If we want a centre, this is what we want in it. <laughs> um, so they've heavily been involved in that. Um, and we've had a few other small pockets of funding that have allowed us to buy the carpets. Um, so, yeah, so we're nearly there. We're nearly there. We've just got a few things to do on the outside of the building, and then we'll be good. We've got loads and loads of resources that we need to try and ship in. But once that's done... Um, it'll be good to go, it'll be good to open the doors and and I think what will be good is and the community know this as well, which is really good is it's not going to open, it's going to be all thing and all dancing, it's going to be a process, you know, it's small steps again and it seems to be the mantra. The mantra now seems to be positive vibes only. Um we have a, a student with us at the moment um who's doing her degree in community education at the moment and uh, that's a, that's a go-to phrase, positive vibes only. And it's something that we've totally picked up on like as positive vibes only, we'll get through it. And um, it'll, it'll happen. It'll happen eventually. So um, we're hoping to open in the middle of July. That's the plan. Ah, oh, brilliant, man! I, I hope you do. Hope you do. And I need to see when you are good to go. I'll need to come through and see it as well. Because I, I, I'd love to see it, man. Um, you're more than welcome to pop out and see us. Aye, brilliant. And you know, and, and I think the. I think you should be pure. You should be so proud of yourselves as well. See if starting this off as an idea, having premises learning everything you need to learn, dealing with what you need to deal with. And it's it's so, so good, man. And to be there for the job that we love and the career that we love um, and helping the community, man, it's it's incredible. Man. 
Thanks very much. Thank you. So, so what's the impact of COVID nineteen been for you? How how's that sort of worked out? Yeah, COVID um, was a challenge. Um, I think because all of our work was done on a Monday night, it was all face to face, and that stopped. Just stopped all, all of a sudden, um, and it became really difficult. Um, we did try the whole putting things out online and doing activities with people online. We didn't get a massive response, if I'm honest with you, um, from it. Um, but we were looking at other organisations in the area who were doing food parcels. Um, one of the other organisations, I think the Village Storytelling Centre, they were doing story packs. Um, but we were like, what is it we do? You know, we, um, we work with children and young people. We provide activities, so let's do that. So what we did was we, and I think loads of organisations across Scotland did this, um, but we created three different packs. We created a craft pack for primary school kids. We created an activity pack for secondary school kids. And we also created a pamper pack. And what we did was we had a team of volunteers and we went out and delivered them to all our young people. So I think at the time we had about 170, I want to say, between 150 and 170 young people registered with us at the time. Um, and we delivered them all. Right. Uh, to their age group. So there was loads of stuff in them, you know, like uh, we, we printed off those COVID um, diaries that were floating about online. Um, we did a massive order from Baker Ross. Um, we put some mugs in, we put some hot chocolate in. Um, fluffy socks apparently are a big thing. Um, so they were in all the pamper packs. Be, be cosy. Absolutely young people like a pair of fluffy socks. Um, so, and, and we delivered them all and we got, great, we got a great response. And actually what was really nice about that was we still had that wee bit of face-to-face interaction because we were at the door, you know, and we were talking to young people, young people were having conversations with us, which was really, really nice. Some young people were dead shy and it was like seeing a totally different side to the young person because when we see them in the hall, they're running about and they're um, they're, they're doing their thing. Um, and then when you see them at the door, it's, it's, it's different, but um, we still got that interaction with them and we still got to have a conversation with the COVID. So that was done over a few weeks, um, those deliveries, and we had great help from volunteers who helped us um, dish them out um, so it was a massive task but in terms of the, the area as a whole um, it was massively affected by mental health a decline in mental health um, and I think that's probably transparent across a lot of Scotland mm-hmm. um, but we had a number in Cardonald and Pollock we had a number of um, youth suicides and that impact ripples throughout the whole community um, whether people knew them directly or whether people didn't, you know, it just had a massive impact on the way people felt in the community. And there was definitely a, a rise in people saying, we need something done about that. And from that, we developed two consultations. Um, so we worked with the local elected members and our MSP and our MP, and we created a youth, youth consultation. And we created a mental health and community consultation because we wanted to find out from young people, right, what what do we need? What do we need to do? And what can we as an organisation do to support people? And young people were saying that they didn't have anywhere to go. And what they wanted was just a place where they could access it. They could just have a conversation. You know, a conversation with an adult, a conversation with somebody that they could trust. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what we aim to do now, you know. And and it's probably from those consultations and working with elected members and working directly with the community that our new premises has been born. And that's exactly what we aim to do. Do you know, if there isn't a community group and using it, we want the doors to be open. We want it to be a facility where community members feel that they can walk in 
and they know the staff or the volunteers that are in there and they can have a cup of tea, have a cup of coffee and they can sit and chat. And whether that's to a member of staff or whether that's to somebody else that's in that's got similar interests, you know, that, that's what we really aim to do. And then from that, we'll build on to educational opportunities as well. Um, and we've had lots of suggestions um, from young people and young people were, were really good, but you could tell that the, the, the loss of life in the community had been devastating. Actually, there's, it, it, yeah. it was horrible. It was horrible. And, you know, at the time, I lived there at the time. I lived in the community and you felt it, you know, it was on Facebook, loads of people rallied together, but it's just, it's horrible. It's just, it was a horrible thing to, to go through. Um, and, and mental health is, it's a massive thing. I think COVID impacted loads of people's mental health, but the thing that we keep saying to people is, you know, reach out, talk to people, because there's people there that will listen. Um, and as much as we are not open yet, you know, we still chat to young people on social media, we still chat to community members, community members are getting for us, and we will have that conversation. We'll have the conversation with them because because we need to, because we want to as well, you know, and um, it goes a long way. Yeah, it does, it does, and I think um, one of the things in that we have spoke about a lot in this podcast and mental health has been a major thing, um, and it's something that I think you work and CLD have really, really immersed themselves in with supporting young people and families, and um, there's a lot more of it, and I know that we're no, we're no out there yet, we're not ready yet, but just a conversation, totally reach out to your local people, you know, it's so, so, so important to do that. Because um, just a wee chat can make all the difference. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's exactly what we hope to do. And it was something that came out massively, actually. You know, people like parents and carers and young people were saying, you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be a professional, it doesn't need to be a mental health nurse or a psychologist. We just want somewhere that we know that there'll be someone we can talk to. A lot of these people, a lot of them were isolated. A lot of them lived on their own. We've got a lot of elderly people that were living on their own, and we're teaming up with another organisation who are going to try and tackle that issue in itself. So it's something that people are very much aware of, you know, um, and actually listening to all the podcasts that you're doing in CLD Talks, it is something that you hear all the time. Yeah, totally, totally, man. Um, and I hope that, you know, and I think that now that things are opening back up and hopefully when news open up as well, people take advantage of just being able to have that conversation and getting the word out there that we're here to speak, we're here to help and do the best that we can. So, no, Brilliant man. Um, so then, what's the, what does the future hold for Tough? Who knows? Who knows? It's kind of it's been one of those things that um, it's always just developed. I think our hope long term is that we're still there. Um, mm-hmm. At the moment, the, the lease that we have on that property is only a year. It's a year's lease to see if it works. Um, so our hope is that it goes on longer. For at least that's one thing for starters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the hope is we reach more young people. Um, and more young people access our services um, and that we just continue to develop and deliver um, services and activities for young people. Um, see, to be fair, if, that's, if we can continue to do that, then, then we'll be making an impact and I'm happy with that. I'll be happy that we, we do that. Um, I think a lot of young people will, will, will tell you that they really work. We've done lots of trips over the past as well. Um, we've done lots of trips to like to have um, we took them to school bride ice rink for a lot of those young people who had never been ice skating before. It was so good to see all these young people doing like a big massive conga down oh, the side wow. of the ice rink. And then towards the end, they were all in the middle, they were skating across the ice rink, so it was great. So we all took a group of young people to Flamingo Land for the day. Um, and for a lot of them, it was the first time they'd ever been to a theme park or out of Scotland. 
So to see if we can continue to do stuff like that as well, it'll be amazing. It'll be amazing. I'm just hoping that it's got a positive future. I hope, I'm hoping that we can secure more funding to keep it going. Perth's actually, at the moment, run by volunteers and professional staff. We have mm-hmm. no full-time member staff. Um, and our hope would be that we can secure full-time members of staff or part-time members of staff to continue the development of what we do because it's something that's massively needed in the area. Um, and I think loads of people would tell you the same thing. So for us, that's what we hope that the future holds. Definitely, man. And positive vibes only, and you'll get there. Positive vibes only, absolutely. That's that's the new mantra. I'm going to use that now forever. Positive vibes only. Hundred percent, man. So I've got two. I've got two questions. I'd just like to finish off with the the first one is how have you got time to do all this? Um, it's a good question. Um, <laughs> do you know something? I think time doesn't really come in yet. See, when it's something that you're passionate about, um. And it's something that you really, really enjoy doing. Do you know, when I go to Turf and when I go to work, I believe this is the best job in the world. Like, I love what I do. I love working with people. I love interacting with people. I love building relationships. I love getting to know them. I love getting to know different areas. And see, when you like what you do, I think it makes it so much easier because I don't feel like I'm working. I don't feel like I go to work. Um, and I feel like I'm part of something. Um, so time doesn't really come in yet, if I'm honest with you. Because it's just something I love doing. Yeah. No, fair dues, man. Fair dues, because I just, I can totally. Pure cheesy. Sorry, you broke up there. Did, did that sound pure cheesy? Aye, but you know, that's been, we need a bit of cheese. We need a bit of cheese. Um, but, it's, but it's the truth. It's the truth, and it's your truth, man. So, um, so, aye, so what the last question is, we stick this at the end of all the podcasts. So, um, what advice would you give to someone looking to start a career in CLD? So the advice I would give to somebody starting CLD is just do it. That's the, the advice I would give them. Um, and whether that is starting off by going to volunteer at your local youth club or a local adult learning group or a community, a community project, go and start, start somewhere um, and see if you like it. I think most often than not, people get into it and they don't really know what community learning development is. Um, and I think for a lot of people, just getting that insight and just starting off somewhere gives them that setting stone. Um, I can just just do it, just go for it, um, and and see where it takes you. Yeah, no, the brilliant man, and you know, it is, it's it's you need to get a go. Everybody needs to get a go. That's what we want. Absolutely. Um, yeah, positive vibes only. Positive vibes only. So, where can people find you and turf on social media? So we are on um, Facebook, um, so you can search Turf Youth Project, um, and our logo is a tree um, with hands, um, and we are also on Twitter as well, so we're on there, um, Turf Youth Project as well. Um, so I can send you the links to them as well, so you, could, you can post them if you want, if people want to. Aye, brilliant, I'll get them added to the description, we'll, we'll do that man and we'll, we'll get you tagged. Also, People can also visit us when we open. So we're now, we're, our new premises is on Pays Road West um, in, in, in Glasgow. So um, we're also be there. So you don't need to just find us on social media. Come and visit us when we're open. And then restrictions are slightly eased. Aye, definitely, man. And once you're open, but we'll get the word out there and I'll definitely come along as well, man. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Perfect. Well, thank you. No, and thanks. And cheers for joining us and cheers for all the work that you do, man. Um, it's it's incredible. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Thank you.
Thanks very much, Josh, for joining us on this week's episode of the CLD Talks. I can't wait to come and visit these winter centres up and running properly. Please find us on Twitter, at CLD Talks, where you can find out more information about all the latest podcasts, and you can join the conversation there. Thanks very much. Catch you next time.